0: Shanzai by KUCI Ima Ki KUCI KUCI, FM are listening
1: to eighty eight point nine FM KUCI Welcome back to Askalator. My next guest is Dr. Josh Grill, here to talk about this year's annual Alzheimer's Conference, among other many fine enterprises conducted along the way with brain aging research. Professor Grill was recently... Not so recently, but was appointed last summer faculty member in the Institute for Memory Impairments and Neurological Disorders, also known as MIND, at UCI, and the Alzheimer's Disease Research Center and the Department of Psychiatry and Human Behavior. The Director of Education for the MIND, Dr. Grill, is also Associate Director of the UCI Alzheimer's Disease Research Center and directs the outreach, recruitment, and Education Corps and that's why you know he's back here on the show he completed his bachelor's in psychology and zoology minor in neuroscience at Miami University and earned his doctorate in neuroscience in the department of neurobiology and anatomy at Wake Forest University School of Medicine at his post from his previous work at UCLA he's currently focusing his research on clinical trials across the spectrum of Alzheimer's disease he's appeared on many media outlets around the country most recently at uh, you Heard him. Uh, t- he's taken up the benefits of music and connecting uh, with those with serious memory loss from dementia. But we'll, we'll talk about lots of memory learning and retraining and all that as it's going to be brought up with the agenda for the 26th annual conference. Josh Grill joins me in studio once again today. Welcome back to Ask a Leader, Professor Josh
0: Grill. Thank you, Claudia. It's great to be back.
1: Well, I'm so glad. Uh, you're, there are many things that have been happening some of which are a little more on the delicate side we'll see how we uh, how far we can get with uh, some of that you've been involved with the a bit with the a4 that's the anti-amyloid treatment and asymptomatic alzheimer's study that the Lilly pharmaceutical company is sponsoring so uh are, are any findings uh, to report or what's your sample size so far you can tell us how many are enrolled in the this site can you
0: uh, yeah. Well, so we've enrolled approximately 40 people uh, here at UCI, Excellent. Um, and, and I think things are going quite well, um, in part because uh, we have a fantastic team that's working really hard on the study. But the folks who have participated so far are so uh, engaged and committed to seeing this trial succeed that some of them have taken it upon themselves to help us find more people to be in this important study. They're out recruiting. They're out recruiting and we've had a recent um, article on the front page of the Orange County Register featuring a really remarkable participant Paula Hunter. She's put herself out there as uh, not only a participant but an advocate for the study and and what we as investigators are trying to do for this very important topic. And and like I said, thanks uh, in large part to people like Paula, the study is is doing quite well. Uh, it's a big, important trial with big numbers associated lots with it. Sites, so, so lots, lots of sites. So lots of sites uh, observations. around the country, around the continent, and, and even around the world. There are a few sites in Australia now. And overall, we're trying to enroll over a 1,000 people in this study. And we're still working toward that goal we have several hundred people enrolled in this study but we knew that this would be a monumental effort that it would take to to succeed here so uh, work is ongoing uh, like I said it's going very well but but there's work left to be done so we're out talking about the study we're seeing a lot of people who are are willing to come in and we're screening them to see if they meet the criteria for participation because as you know, all science is crafted with extreme care to ensure that we can answer a scientific question. And so this study is certainly no different. It may be the, the, the best example of that. Um, when people come in to, to participate, they have to undergo several tests, including tests of their memory. And the requirements are, are that someone have normal memory, but in this case, a person's memory can be a little bit too good or not quite good enough and thus can't participate in the study and so it's a very specific definition of normal that a person must must meet the criteria for to be in the trial so unfortunately we do have to tell some people who want to be in the study that they can't be and and that's a reality of doing clinical trials um, for people who who have diagnoses of conditions for people who have dementia and for trials like this one where we're trying to find people who who don't have dementia and don't have memory problems but are willing to be in the study to see if we can delay the onset of memory problems in people who are at increased risk
1: so you've got a forum so what's the what are those criteria the yeah, memory
0: so mostly what we're looking for are people who want to help, who are between the ages of 65 and 85, who have normal memory um, if you're concerned about your memory, that's okay. Many people, as we get older, are concerned about our memories. Many of the people participating in the study so far have a family history of Alzheimer's disease. They don't have to have one. They don't have to have a family history. Because maybe it history, hasn't but, been diagnosed, But, but many, many people uh, they know had now. a parent with dementia and and have concerns about this. Uh, not a requirement, um, but that is certainly a, a, a group that we're seeing who are coming to talks about this trial and calling in and wanting to be involved. So aside from having normal memory, um, folks have to have otherwise good health. And we do blood tests for things like liver and kidney function to make sure that people are in good health. And folks have to be willing to have a PET scan. And this is an FDA approved PET technology Um, though it's not approved in people who have normal memory. It's approved in people who have memory problems or dementia and what this scan shows us is one particular protein that accumulates in the brain of someone with Alzheimer's disease and in this case it still shows us the same protein but we're looking at people who have normal memories and this is really cutting-edge science and the early Studies suggest that people who have levels of this particular protein called beta amyloid elevated in their brain may be at increased risk for someday getting memory problems. And we are testing whether a, an amyloid lowering drug called solanuzumab can delay or even prevent the onset of memory problems in a group of people who are believed to be at increased risk. Now, it is important that I specify that there is so much that we still do not yet know about people with normal memory who have elevated levels of brain amyloid. It is not the case that this is a diagnosis. It is not the case that this is uh, a certainty that everyone who participates in this study and has elevated brain amyloid will someday get memory problems or dementia. We simply do not know that. Even for the people who do someday get memory problems or dementia, we don't know when that will occur. And it may be that it's years or decades down the line so the trial as you as you pointed out it's called the a4 trial uh, is important on just so many levels we're going to test this drug we're going to do a new type of clinical trial and we're going to really learn not only about this drug but about doing studies like this about who is at increased risk about what that truly means And I think, you know, we all hope that this drug will delay the onset of memory problems or slow very subtle cognitive decline over long periods of time and that this will lead to a a new way of, of clinical care for older people. But in the meantime, we're also going to position ourselves to do trials like this one, which many of us believe will be critical to achieving our ultimate goal in a more efficient manner so that we can answer questions more rapidly and reach that goal faster.
1: And I guess you can say as incremental as maybe some of those benefits are, they they buy the Alzheimer's declining patient a bit of time, an additional bit of capacity that goes a long way to improving their life quality, their healthcare delivery outcomes.
0: Yeah, I think there are multiple ways that you can look at this from an individual standpoint Um, It's easy for someone to say, well, if someday I'm going to get Alzheimer's disease, I want to stave it off as long as possible. From a public health standpoint, um, we can translate this into major impact on uh, the cost of care related to people with dementia. And of course, the most expensive aspect of Alzheimer's disease and dementia is the later stages when people require... 24-hour care, seven days a week, 365 days a year, often resulting in their placement into facilities to provide that care. If a treatment can slow the process of the disease in the brain such that we prolong even the early stages of dementia, let alone the stages that prior to dementia. Um, it is possible, if not likely, that what we'll ultimately be able to do is prevent people from becoming severely demented during their lifetime. And so the public health huge. implications of that are, are really astronomical, given that we expect the number of people with dementia to triple in the coming decades. Uh, Ten million baby boomers are expected to get Alzheimer's disease uh, in the coming decades. And so... The societal and, and health economy implications of those expectations um, are, are potentially disastrous for, for this and every other country around the world and so we're, we're seeing major efforts, we're seeing national plans developed around Alzheimer's disease here and, and around the world. Um, we're very hopeful about legislation working its way through Congress to try to increase the funding levels for research towards Alzheimer's disease. We've seen uh, institute-specific adjustments that Alzheimer's disease research uh, mandates higher levels of funding than perhaps other areas covered by those institutes. So I think through public uh, efforts like coming here and talking to you and other things that we're seeing on television and in print media, I think the word is is really getting out there now, and I think that it's a it's recognized that this is a critical time in not only the nations, but the world history uh, in dealing with this extremely important medical problem.
1: I just want to make one little trip into a short cul-de-sac here. I'm sure listeners are wanting to know, because there's been a lot of attention given to Dr. Um, to Paul Asens. His transitioning away from the UCSD, sorry, University of California, San Diego site of the A4 study to USC is Any of that transition he's made with his team, has that had any impact on how UCI is pursuing its site's goals?
0: It really has not. And I think that uh, obviously there have been a lot of headlines around Dr. Azen's uh, resignation from UC San Diego. Um, But what I will say is that everyone involved, the people at UC San Diego, the people at USC, and every other site in the UC as well as around the country, everyone involved recognizes how important Alzheimer's research is, how important the trials that are conducted by the ADCS are, and that nothing can get in the way of our scientific goals. And I think everyone involved is is committed to ensuring that uh, nothing derails us or delays us um, and certainly everyone at UCI is committed to all of these studies and others uh, and there is just a, there is a, um, a consistent uh, recognition of the need for folks to work together because only together can we achieve our goals.
1: Just to fill in the, the acronym, the ADCS is the Alzheimer's Disease Cooperative Study, another name for the A4 study.
0: Uh, the A4 study is um, run through the ADCS, yes. okay. uh, and and now that is, you know, a huge collaboration of more than 60 institutions, including UC Irvine, UC San Diego, USC, um, and, and that, that's always been the case, and it'll continue to be the case, and it's uh, needed to be the case to achieve this uh, very important first of its kind clinical trial successfully.
1: Well, th- for those of you who have just tuned in, my guest is Professor Josh Grill on Ask a Leader on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, streaming on the World Wide Web at KUCI.org. We're talking about the Alzheimer's Disease Cor- Cooperative Study coordinating the A4, that's the anti-amyloid treatment and asymptomatic Alzheimer's study That it's, it's going to buy time for, for patients if, if things go well. It's a double-blind study, so none of these qualifying participants know whether they're on placebo or they're on the the Lilly drug, participants are going to either be on one for the entire course of the study or the other one.
0: That's correct. The A4 study is a three-year study and the uh, medication, the investigational medication that we're testing is infused directly into the bloodstream once every four weeks. So folks have to come to UCI to have an infusion of this medication about once a month and this is for three years it's a three-year study so we're measuring whether we can detect subtle changes in memory over the course of three years in cognitively normal people and whether the drug solanuzumab has an impact on that now it is double-blind as you uh, point out that means that uh, neither participants nor we the investigators know if an individual is getting the actual drug solanuzumab versus a placebo Um, In this case, uh, essentially a saline infusion once once a month. There is a plan, however, at the end of the three years to perform an extension study in people who have completed the initial three years, and only people who have participated in the double-blind portion of the study are eligible to be in that extension. But in the extension study, there is no placebo arm. This is not obligatory for everyone who participates in the double-blind study, but it is an expected option. For those who finish the trial to continue on coming in every four weeks as they have been at that for, point for three years. For three more years. Well, it's, how uh, long, it's I mean. an indetermined amount of time as of now, um, but it, it is uh, a planned extension study, and in that extension, there is no placebo arm. Right. Th- that's, so that's everybody the point. gets the real drug. There'd be drug. no
1: point in extending a placebo. <laughs> so uh, now. This is something you'll be reporting about. This at the twenty sixth annual conference. That's what you're going to be reporting yourself. So,
0: yeah. So we do have a conference coming up on October second. Uh, this is the as you as you said the twenty sixth annual Southern California Alzheimer's Disease Research Conference. Um, it is uh, a very exciting slate of uh, speakers, both from UCI and from around the country, who have been invited to come and speak to local uh, medical doctors, nurses, psychologists, other professionals, and even the general public who wishes to attend this uh, very very successful uh, conference. This year's conference has a focus on healthy brain aging. And so, you know, in reality, um, the, the overarching theme of the conference is to avoid the need for drugs like solanuzumab. I think this is a really exciting time in understanding brain aging and how uh, lifestyle in particular impacts late age brain health. And we are learning uh, very rapidly about lifestyle choices and the potential to impact uh, our future risk for getting dementia, our future risk for having strokes, um, and our future risk for, for cognitive changes that aren't associated with disease in older life. And so I'm going to give a talk as part of this one-day conference. Um, my talk is in particular about the the way we do clinical trials to prevent Alzheimer's disease, but I think we should really um, focus on some of the other really exciting talks that are, are going to be uh, presented that day. Because, you know, I think as a as a alzheimer's disease research center funded by the national institute on aging it, we have multiple roles uh, that we fulfill we certainly perform research in an effort to cure disease and to find preventions for the disease but i think it's also critical that we share with the community what we're learning uh... especially when it comes to risk reduction and and indeed there are um, a multitude of studies now that suggest lifestyle Choices are, are important to future brain health. And the conference has taken on that theme this year of um, communicating what we have learned and what we are learning about, especially lifestyle choices and, and brain health. And so there's a tremendous slate of speakers featuring, for example, Dr. Andrea Tenner will host the event. She's the director of UCI Mind. Um, she's a world-renowned researcher on the impact of inflammation on brain health. We have Maria Carrillo, who is the uh, chief scientific officer from the Alzheimer's Association. Um, even the Alzheimer's Association is now really focusing, in addition to, to Alzheimer's disease, but on, on brain health and healthy brain aging. And so she will give an overview of, of where the field is. We're certainly aware that using your brain is critical to maintaining brain health, and cognitive exercise uh, may be important to staving off future cognitive changes. And Jessica Langbaum, who is a, a, a scientist from the Banner Alzheimer's Institute in Phoenix, is going to give a talk on cognitive training uh, as a mechanism to, to delay um, uh, cognitive problems later in yes. life. Um, You know, then we're going to get into some of the other lifestyle changes. Alon Avedon, a colleague of mine from UCLA, who is a nationally recognized leader in sleep medicine, is going to talk about the implications to sleep disruption and dementia. This is, you know, really exciting talk um, from a well-informed individual. And we're seeing more and more um, publications now about the impact of sleep. Um, that perhaps while we're sleeping we're, we're cleaning our brain to Shedding some extent. Shedding the plaques. Including or. including possibly cleaning out the protein that accumulates in plaques in Alzheimer's disease. And so the implications of sleep to, to dementia, and I say dementia because there are implications to Alzheimer's disease and there are seemingly implications to other forms of dementia as well. And so I think that'll be a very exciting talk. Uh, Daniel Nation, who is at USC, is uh, a thought leader on the topic of hypertension and how blood pressure impacts uh, brain health. Of course, we, we have uh, as many capillaries in our brain as brain cells. And we know wow. that uh, keeping healthy blood flow to the brain is utterly critical to brain health at any age. And so having Dr. Nation come and talk to us about what is being learned by his lab and others about uh, blood pressures role in brain aging and cognitive aging I think will be fantastic our own Carl Kotman uh, the founding uh, director of the UCI mind and the founder of this conference 26 years ago is going to talk about another extremely hot topic in the field which is the implications of, of physical exercise
1: and Josh grill it's so hot I had James Hicks on last week talking about the exercise science studies initiative and they'll be talking about that on uh, at their own workshop on this Saturday the whole day long but the benefits and he tipped his hat to to Dr. Cotman several occasions at the interview
0: so well Dr. Cotman is certainly a leader not only nation nationwide but internationally in this topic and and it's a lifetime of work toward understanding uh, exercise and the regulation of exercise of, of neurotrophic factors in the brain and how that plays critical roles to healthy brain aging versus disease and you know Dr. Cotman is also now uh, leading with scientists from Wake Forest University uh, the planning and, and soon to be implementation of an exercise clinical trial to try to help people with cognitive impairment so um, I think his, his reputation probably precedes him for, for your audience here at KUCI, and and we're thrilled that he's going to give this lecture as part of the as part of the conference. And there will even be an interactive session uh, with uh, an instructor um, from UCI of uh, uh, in the School of Dance, who is also a, sci- a neuroscientist, Kelly Sharp. And I think that is going to be really exciting, uh, and will segue just perfectly from Dr. Kottman's, um you know primarily research driven uh, presentation. And I'd be remiss if I didn't point out that the conference is co-sponsored not only by UCI Mind, but by the Alzheimer's Association of Orange County, AAOC. And so we're excited to hear from uh, some of the local advocates from AAOC, AAOC who are just our strongest partners in so many ways uh, reaching out to the community so they do uh,
1: distinguish themselves as their chapter work
0: oh yeah they're they're fantastic chapter I was there last week they they have a beautiful facility they are providing remarkable support and resources for people who are in the throes of this disease and Jim McAleer and Patty Mouton from the conference will will uh, from the AOC will be at the conference to uh, present some of the exciting things that they have going on as a chapter um, especially as it relates to to advocacy um, for people and families with this disease and trying to increase uh, research dollars and care dollars at the at the state and federal level.
1: Well, in a perfect world, we'd get to have a panel so that the that Professor Avedon and Carl Kotman could be talking about how the sleep is going to aid the the other lifestyle a- aspects like exercise so that the brain health is maximized with all of these factors being considered. Yeah,
0: but we we, um, I'm sure you we have a about very about. full agenda. Um, we won't have time for a panel featuring everyone but agenda. Um, we won't have time for a panel featuring everyone but there will be uh, opportunities for conference registrants to uh, talk to investigators and ask questions of investigators uh, as a function of the day's events and there's also some Wonderful organizations that have uh, sponsored uh, in part the conference, and we'll have exhibits as a function of the conference so that folks who are interested in not only what UCI Mind and AAOC are doing, but also other professional organizations in Orange County who are committed to making a difference in this disease and preventing this disease. And I I just want to mention the UCI MIND website, which is mind.uci.edu. That's mind.uci.edu. And there's information on the conference available on that website. And there is a a slightly longer web address that I'll give for folks who are interested in registering for the conference, which is act.alz.org backslash healthybrainconference. So that's act.als.org. Backslash healthy brain conference.
1: We'll put that on the summary. That's and that's Friday, October 2. We want to give everybody an ample warning so they can register while space remains. It's from seven you can start convening at seven o'clock but the program starts at eight it goes until five it's the irvine marriott hotel one eight zero 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 von carmen avenue in irvine's very close there to the 405 and i want to thank professor josh grill with uci mind for posting us on what's going with the a4 study what's available at the the conference for both the lay audience and the continuing medical education earning uh, audience as well it's just so sophisticated it is so productive for all the public that can attend that it's just a great thing josh grill i just want to thank you again for coming back on the show today
0: well thank you claudia and i think uci as a community thanks you for this incredible resource that you provide so thanks thanks for having me
1: It's all our pleasure. Well, thank you. We're going to close out the show in just a bit. What I want to do now is just let you know that uh, next week, for the whole hour, we're going to get acquainted with UCI professor Kathleen Tresetter, an ecology and evolutionary scientist on the Research Escalator. She'll be dropping topics like fungi, ecosystems, and global change on her way up. You heard her here first. Talk with you next week. Thank you, everyone, for listening.